Good morning. I'm back with another episode of the Sean Mo Hoops podcast, this time with a very special guest, Coach Josh Merkel from Randolph-Macon University, and actually the first national championship coach I've had on the podcast. Uh, coach, how are you doing today? Doing great, Sean. Good to, good to be on here talking hoops with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, no problem. And kind of had, had you on my radar, especially after winning the championship uh, game this this year uh, we had coach G from San Francisco come on a few years ago and and we were talking about the Randolph Macon coaching tree uh, that, that currently exists and and how strong it is so wanted to get you on but uh, first how's the the summer been going uh, since the the national championship run uh, summer summer's good you know every uh, season has a rhythm and so the off season has its own rhythm and I would say there's more celebrating than I would like this off season. Cause I'm ready to turn the page and uh, you know, didn't get into it for the celebrating part of it. Um, you know, other than it, right after the game, which was pretty cool. It was nice to take a deep breath. No, I didn't have to prepare for a game for a little while. Um, but it's been, it's been awesome. I mean, the community has been, been fantastic and uh, I think everybody's really excited and um, you know, we're, we're humbled, I think, by the by how much it meant to other people. I think when you hear some of those stories about, you know, I've gotten letters from alums that just said, you know, I've, I'm talking to guys I played with who meant a lot to me that I hadn't talked to in a long time. And you just kind of get humbled by that and just you, you get a better appreciation for the game of basketball and what it can mean uh, even down the road years later for people. And uh, the fact that we can maybe impact some basketball joy uh, mm-hmm. is, an, is an awesome thing that I'm grateful for. Awesome. And you know, one thing this year, obviously a, a fantastic season, 33 and one, um, uh, one of the crazy stats when I was just going through this a hundred, I think 107 over the, the past four, four years, but really the COVID year, you guys had a, had a shot and that, that ended early. And then, uh, last year, a, a much shortened season, still undefeated, but, but 12 and 0, uh, how was it just going through the last two seasons and all the challenges knowing you had extremely good good teams and a chance to to win that championship for the school not actually materialize as it did this year yeah um it's uh what a journey i mean covid had a lot of challenges for everybody and and some of them much worse than what we dealt with obviously when we when we lose basketball but still a challenge for you know 18 to 22 year olds um going through that process and and for me too adults um yeah. So I'll, I'll just go back to it was Buzz's junior year, that team that was 28 and two. And I thought really humming. We were healthy guys excited to come play senior class of Corey Turner, Corey Bays, Kent Kilgrow. And, um, you know, this was the game where we, we win, we advance um, and we get to host again. We got Yeshiva coming into us, sweet 16. We got a great record at home. Uh, we're the number one scoring defense and, Game is sold out. We get into um, game is sold out by Wednesday. The game was scheduled for Friday. On Thursday is when kind of the, the basketball announcement world came crashing down. Season is canceled. You know, not not just postponed the game, but the season is canceled. And you know, there was no manual for how to deal with that with with teams with guys. Helped a little bit that it was happening everywhere to everyone. Um, but, you know, we, we basically that Friday had a had a breakfast or a brunch with the team at Cracker Barrel like we had scheduled to. And then we uh, we celebrated our seniors and uh, and then we sent them home. We didn't see them for, you know, three, four five months. Um, I don't know that we ever brought the team back together just yet. Um, so anyway, that, that was that year. Um, it was Buzz's junior year. It was coming off a loss to Swarthmore the year before in the Sweet 16. Yep. Uh, Landry does an unbelievable job there. 
and you know they had they had beaten us then they went to the national championship game and i think our guys were like you know we're right there mm-hmm. we're right there we can play with anybody and I, that that really helped i think our our mindset and, and our approach and um you know covid year 12 and 0 we beat the teams that, that were on our schedule it was certainly a challenge i think the best thing through that whole time was just when buzz said coach i'm coming back for a fifth year he brought his roommate david funderberg along those two guys um had an amazing five-year stint uh, at four-year record all that stuff and it, it made you know dealing with it because man it, it would have been really painful um if we had missed that window when yep. you have a special player mm-hmm. um you know special players are what win the games and uh he's been unbelievable to coach he's made everybody around him better players coaches everybody uh, his impact on our program cannot be overstated mm-hmm. and um mm-hmm. you know so when he said he, he's coming back for that fifth year and we, we got back to a little bit more normalcy. It was still a little crazy even in that first semester. Um, yeah. I do think our, our approach um, was one that we're, we're just, we're not, we're going to come out of this better than we came in. We right. want to grow through it, not go through it. Um, big stoic mindset guy. We're, we're going to control what we can. Mm-hmm. And that was tough. Um, the whole Stockdale paradox, like I'm not going to say this is going to be over in a month because I have no idea. So you know, we're going to confront the brutal facts, but also have the hope that that um, we will uh, thrive in the end. And mm-hmm. so I think that approach helped us through and um, amazing uh, past year. I, I wouldn't have expected us to go 33 and one. I think our vets were so good early that they carried the young guys. Mm-hmm. And then we had those young guys, Will Coble, Daniel Bange, uh, really start to emerge for us and, and become the players that they were by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And and the, the the loan loss was to Christopher Newport pretty pretty early on, but yeah. once you start continue once you get into conference play and you're reeling the wins off, was it challenging at times to get them to continue to focus, or was it or did or was there pressure just the more wins you got in terms of the pressure to to have this year being the championship year? Yeah, I think people you know if you look at the record, it's like oh they just ran through, and it's like no, it, you know it was a challenge, and everybody. Yeah. <laughs> shot and uh i will say pressure i don't think we felt it i think we, we had a good approach and i i credit our guys uh we we could care less about the ranking uh, you know we kind of said so what now what like nobody cares like you know no one's following you i i'll tell you this sean my uh my wife and i were having dinner this is like odak tournament and she's like well what if what if you guys um what if the women host as well and i'm like well they're not they're not going to get to host and she was like, well, they're number two. And I was like, no, that's the number two seed in the ODAC. And so I basically went back and told my guys, like, you know, my, my wife doesn't think very highly of you guys, just so you know. Um, and if my own wife thinks that, no one else thinks that highly of you guys. So I think we just had a probably a strong sense of humility that helped us deal with, um, we say pressure is a privilege. Uh, we've been taking other people's best shot for a long time. I think we've trained for it. And we, we trained to win the possession, you know, so Win, win possession by possession. That way, you just don't feel the pressure. If you lose, you lose. If somebody's better, they're better. Yep. Uh, I think that that helped kind of take some of that off. We weren't trying to have an undefeated season. People talk about that seeing you. We're grateful. I'm grateful for Johnny K. His program um, that they did what they did. We were in control most of that game mm-hmm. and didn't get it done. And that, and we learned a lot from that. I learned a lot from that. I owned it, and um, I like to think that it, it made us one percent better, if not more. Uh, we figured out some rotations that might not work. Uh, you you need that. I don't know that we would have learned all of those things in a win. Yeah. And uh, so I'm grateful for that time. 
Yeah. And, and for, for this team, you mentioned the scoring defense, which one of the top, top of the country, but you also look at the you know offense. You can, you can go down that route and, and three point shooting, I think 38, 38.4%, which one of the top, top in division three, uh, mm-hmm. division one would have put you in the top, top seven. So how do you, mm-hmm. how do you construct, uh, I think such a, a balanced team? Cause usually you see if somebody's really strong at defense, they're, they're probably struggling a little bit on offense or vice versa, but how did how did you go about constructing uh, such a balanced roster and balanced uh, squad? Yeah, well, I appreciate that question. I didn't even know about the the seventh being, uh, or that would have been seventh in Division One. This, this was our new year, our first year with the new arc. Um, mm-hmm. So I was a little nervous about how how that would play out. But we had some big time. Like I knew Ian and Buzz and the way they shoot the ball, they weren't going to be affected by the deeper arc that I think right. a lot of guys were. And then. There's some guys that, okay, constructing the roster to, to do it this way. We, we have a defensive identity, so it's going to start there. And there's some talented offensive guys that won't get on the floor as much as they would like until they can get it done defensively. I think that can be something that separates us from some other guys. We, we talk about that, you know, taking pride in that side of the floor. And that some guys, while they might score 20 a game against us, mm-hmm. they probably couldn't play for us because they don't defend as well. I think two-way – Two-way players are how you win. You look at the Warriors. You look at the Celtics right now. I mean, it's um, it's no secret. And mm-hmm. I don't think we've budged on that. And I think our guys have bought into that. And instead of complaining or transferring out, it's like, okay, um, we tell them on the front end, you got to be able to defend, yep. guard and rebound your position um, to get on the floor for meaningful minutes. And then the offensive stuff, you know, kind of a pro-style system that, I don't know, we, we had a group that I could do a lot of things and it would look good. Mm-hmm. Um, Buzz is such a talented player. We ran everything through him like we should. Yeah, uh, but we also had some really good players around him, like the two man games with he and Miles. Um, you know, it's been uh, he, he's so unselfish. You know, third in the country in assists. So his ability, I, our thing is let's hunt the paint, let's yep. get high percentage shots, let's be unselfish. Um, you know, I've I've got so, I've had some great guys that I could learn from Nathan Davis when it comes to the defensive side of the floor. Uh, John Beeline, Jeff Neubauer, when it comes to offense, not turning it over, which leads to that scoring defense. And then, um, you know, our guys have bought in. We found a, a way here. My my staff continuity, Dave Maturo, Sean Boggs, been with me for seven years. Mm-hmm. Uh, our players see that chemistry. And I think all of that is, has helped us get to where we are. Mm-hmm. Well, you just mentioned some of the, the coaches that, that you've been been a part of. And, and maybe this is a good time just to go back and and I, you you played um, you played basketball in college and then you got into coaching. But when you were playing, how would you describe yourself as a as a player? What was your play? What was your playing style? Over, overachiever uh, playing style. I mean, I was a worker. Um, I, I'll even go back to high school. So Sean, I got really lucky. Frederick Maryland, Prospect mm-hmm. Hall, Stu Vetter, yeah, yeah. national rank program. I step into that. Kevin Sutton, who is a uh, long time high school and college successful coach and just tremendous workout guy, um, you know, speaks all over the country, but he was my, like, I, I got to work with out with him every lunch period. And mm-hmm. so I wasn't very, I grew up on a farm. I didn't play a whole lot of organized cause I'm the oldest of nine. So actually when it came time to like play for travel teams, I couldn't get the ride. Um, my mom was like, Hey, we, we can do one night a week. Mm-hmm. And so up until ninth grade, I, I was shooting in my backyard pretty much. Um, so then I get exposed, and uh, but I loved hoops. My mom played at University of Maryland, so um, I was a shooter. I was more of your um, score shooting guard, basically. I wasn't a point guard. I, I wish 
if I could do it over again, I'd work more on my handle. Mm -hmm. Um, I became a a winning defender and a guy that could play angles and, you know, with defensive identity there at prospect hall, it's where I learned how to compete. I I believe that uh, iron sharpens iron competition is everything. And um, so I I got a great foundation there. So, so, uh, so who are just not to interrupt, but that's a a name I haven't heard for for a while in terms of the the school and, and being a recruiting junkie, know the, the lineage that, that came out of there, but who were some yeah. of the guys that, that you were playing with at that time? So Jason Cable, like my senior year, Jason Cable was number one junior in the country. Um, mm-hmm. Damian Wilkins was number one sophomore in the country. And then we had guys like uh, Jason Harris who played at Fordham, Antonio the Turbe played at G-Dub. Uh, we had Winnie Muhammad go to Clemson. Andres Curtis went to Clemson. Nate James went to Duke. Uh, loaded. Rico Hines went to UCLA. I mean, I think eight division one guys, my junior year or senior year, um, you know, it was, a, it was a bit of a basketball factory. Yeah. So I was getting my butt kicked for a long time. I, you know, learned a lot of humility. And um, instead of leaving to, mm-hmm. to play at a public school my senior year, and and I would even say Coach Vetter, who was probably worried about my parents uh, or my dad, like saying something to me about me not playing as much, he was like, maybe you should transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I felt like I was becoming the best player that I could be there. And, and that's what I wanted. I wanted to become a good college player. And I knew I'd be better tested if I stayed right there. And I, I tell guys all the time, the magic happens when you stay and you bloom where you're planted. And uh, I would not be the man or player or coach or anything that I am had I had I left um, early on. And so um, some guys listen to that message. Some guys, not so much. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, after your after your your, your college playing career, uh, did you always in terms of coaching, was it something you always thought you wanted to get into or was it something that gradually happened as you were going through the seasons? I, I but... did. I tell, I tell the story. I remember specifically my first ninth grade game sitting in the English classroom doing our pregame talk, listening to Kevin Sutton, and it was like, click. That's who I want to be. I want to be a high school coach. I want to do what Kevin Sutton's doing. And, um, you know, finance major as a, as a backup. My dad was at, worked at Merrill Lynch, so I thought in case it doesn't work out. But right as I graduated, I, um, I was substitute teaching and coaching at Prospect Hall for Bruce Kelly, another mentor of mine. Uh, and I coached high school for three years, Sean, and then, and then made the move, got lucky, got the chance to be the GA at West Virginia. So here I am, Division three player, high school coach, mm-hmm. now in the Big East. We go to Europe, we go to the Elite Eight, and then uh, Jeff Neubauer gets the job at Eastern Kentucky, takes me with him, and I'm out there for five years. Wow. And so I, I know it's difficult to, to network and get into the certain position. So that first GA position you'd been coaching high school, was it through those connections you had made or how did that, how did that um, kind of jump happen? Yeah. And I, and I know it's probably even harder now than it was. And you heard, Mm -hmm. um, but basically I, I, I've given some advice to guys like just, you know, again, bloom where you're playing to like, I was so invested. I wasn't even looking for college jobs. I didn't even think about it really. Mm -hmm. I I wanted to get my JV uh, offense better. And Jeff Mm -hmm. Neubauer came and spoke at our camp to the Mm campers. And then I said, coach, can we, can, can I ask you about JV offense? And so we were in the office and it probably was like an hour and just talking motion and, and him helping me with some principles. And he said, you know, have you thought about coaching college? I was like, no. And he's like, well, we're going to have an opening in a year. Stay in touch with me. So I, I stayed in, you know, maybe an email a week here and there stayed in touch. They brought me up uh, for an interview. I met with the, the whole staff and Beeline and I still joke. I say I was like his 10th option. And he, he corrected me the other day. Um, and said, no, you were like our 15th, 18th option. And, uh, you know, former players and all of that. But for some reason, maybe uh, it worked out. You know, um, mm-hmm. I think maybe the fact that I was a little older 
had that maturity. They needed somebody academically that could help guys uh, in that interim period too. Right. Um, and, and I played with some really high level guys. So I think they, they sensed that, um, you know, I'd be, I'd be at home uh, in, in a high major program too. So yeah, I was very fortunate. Yeah. When, when you went to Eastern Kentucky now, now you're moving up in terms of having more, resp- more roles, more responsibilities. Did that high school background in terms of the talent you played with, did that kind of help in identifying D one talent that could play, play at the school? For sure. I think, um, you know, anytime, yeah, it, it gives you a, a good foundation for mm-hmm. watching players. Um, but, but Nathan, and I talk about that. It's not rocket science. Sean, it's like, you know, the guys that can really help us uh, are typically being recruited by higher schools. And then then you got to make some choices. You got to, you know, really, hey, how will this guy fit? Will this guy fit? I mean, our current model is, you know, what superpower do they have? What are they going to do so well that it's going to just get them on the floor? Um, And I think that that's what we've been after, too. And, uh, you know, made made a thousand mistakes, make a thousand more. I don't think it's an exact science, but what we try and do is really dig in on the the character. Um, although that word's overused, um, you know, what will make a guy successful? Does he have a proven success record? Is he a worker? Is he a winner? Try yep. and dive into that stuff. Got it. Yeah, make, that, no, that that definitely definitely makes sense. And you go from there, and and then you you step into the big seat uh, back at your alma mater. What were some of the biggest adjustments? Just going into the head head coaching role, especially at a pretty, pretty young age. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. I mean, my alma mater, a lot of people there really supportive. Um, it, it culture wise, we had to really, um, you know, uh, make some changes and, and help guys understand why they weren't winning that It wasn't just the coach that it's a lot of things that they go into this thing. And, um, I don't know. You're never, you're never prepared. It's like fatherhood, man. You're, you can, you can read all the books and you can talk to all the people and ask all the questions uh, but you got to go through it and make some mistakes and reflect and get better. And that, that's what I would say about making that switch, uh, assistant to head coach, um, good players, help you cover mistakes, good assistants, uh, good staff, good people around you, forgiving players, you know, like I, I, I'm sure I created some more mistakes than I needed to early and, and just have guys having the grace um, it, it's like kids, you know, uh, having grace for their parents. Hey, I still love you. I know you probably messed that one up, but, um, I know, I think this, I, you know, you have what you have your kids best interest and they know you care and they know you love them. Then, then they're willing to, um, you know, keep moving forward when, when you make a mistake too, knowing that your heart's in the right place. If you had to compare yourself, not, not comparing yourself, but in terms of maybe a, a playing style, what, what, what have been some of the biggest adjustments that have gone over, that hadn't been made over the years, especially as the game itself has evolved. Yep. Yep. I mean, we've uh, defensive identity, but we've mm-hmm. added a three, two zone. So maybe that was <laughs> one thing that's evolved. Um, I will say, Sean, if anything, it's like with really good players, I've become really comfortable not having a set offense, but playing concepts mm-hmm. um, and not worrying that we don't look like everybody else all the time. Um, and just trusting my guys way more about, um, it's a partnership. Everything's a partnership. Yep. Let's watch film. Let's figure out how you can close out better. We don't need to teach closeouts the same. We don't need to teach, you know, things the same to everybody. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I've just become more confident in that, in that approach where before you're not maybe winning at the level and you're not sure. And it's like, is there a better way? And, you know, there's always guys that do it different. So I think we've become more confident in, in our approach. Mm-hmm. Okay. And 
when uh when you took the job at randolph macon and i'm sure that was was challenging especially being at your alma mater but yeah. what what kind of made you make that jump obviously there is a strong coaching tradition but what was that process like for you going through that the, the tradi- i mean it was hard it was hardly my I, I don't know that i saw myself leaving salisbury for anything but special opportunities um i met my wife there she was working there at the time uh, and she was pregnant with our first son at the time mm-hmm. and uh so we did the big three you know job change um geographical change and brought brought a kid into the world so the three things that caused the most stress we did them all at one time and it was uh it was a tough transition it was a tough year um i I did when i worked for nathan said man this guy's amazing i would not want to follow this guy so i did break my own advice um but this is a special place i mean i know the support they have for basketball i know how much basketball means here um you know at a school that had not won a national championship versus salisbury where they've they're getting it done in, in so many sports, so many ways. Um, but the support here was, uh, was something that I, I valued from the president, from the AD and, um, and the location, you know, I thought, uh, I thought this could provide some opportunities, even for my wife. I wasn't sure that, that she could be completely happy there on the Eastern shore for the next 30 years. And, um, and, and felt like this was just too good an opportunity to pass up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being, being in that, that area offers up a, a different, area of recruiting as well but you look at your or the the roster from the past year and you've got guys from really all all over the place uh versus even even uh you know you you can look at low mid-major division ones even high and a lot of times they're focused on maybe a certain state or two states uh so i'm curious just in general uh going back to one of those early questions but forming forming this roster and yeah maybe just when you're out recruiting but also what are some of the main recruiting events that you guys go to or, or you guys identify players at? Yeah, we've, uh, and we've been fortunate. I mean, RMC attracts quality student too. Um, you know, we've ended up with a guy from Turkey and a guy from Australia. And, and I think the school has a lot to do with that. Our success has a lot to do with that dimension, the tradition um, it's been done like coach Rhodes, who's from Pennsylvania was recruiting those, those, you know, Pennsylvania guys that might slip through the cracks um, and then maybe want to get away from home. I mean, ideally, we'd get everybody within a 30-mile radius, but you know that doesn't happen. Those guys want to go play somewhere a little further from home sometimes. So, you know, we start inside out. We want to know every kid in the state of Virginia. We want to get those slip through the crack guys. But then I'm from Maryland. I've had great success in that Maryland private school. I mean, Buzz Anthony, All-American, Archbishop Spalding, um, Miles Mallory, Pilate High School, you know, Mm -hmm. private in in Maryland, All-American. Um, Vincent Payne we have right now. So, you know, certain pockets um, have, have really helped. We've gotten into Charlotte um, and that private school league and, and connections too. a high school coach says, hey, man, I, I, this guy um, could be great for you. This guy is your type of guy. I think we've trusted our connections along the way. Uh, we got of the eight guys we have coming in. We've got two Maryland guys, maybe a D.C. guy, Pennsylvania guy, uh, North Carolina guy. Mm-hmm. So and a Georgia guy. Um, Mm -hmm. so excited about, yeah, excited about just, you know, bringing guys in from all over. And I think it adds a lot of, uh, diversity to our group and and diversity of personalities to our group as well. Yeah. So, so for, for this coming, coming year, what's, what's your itinerary look like in, in July? Okay. Yeah. So where, uh, hoop group has been Mm -hmm. usually a staple, Um, Mm -hmm. a lot of good players going there. Um, the event in Atlantic city, um, I really like the June live periods too, though, with, um, okay. you know, the, the, what they're doing with the, oh, the high school. Each yeah, of the yeah. So there's yeah. like five that we try to cover between our three or four staff members. I'll probably go to Philly live 
mm -hmm. then finish in DC on Sunday and then go to Carolina the following weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we'll do the math of summer league and just, you know, we build our list. We build a really big list, maybe 250 to 300 kids. And we're constantly trying to filter to get to that, you know, four or five guys, class of four or five to get that Sean, we've kind of looked at it. Like we almost need to bring 10 guys to campus for every one that we sign. I'm talking about 10 good players. Yep. So it might be 50 guys that we got to get to campus for us, how we do things. Cause we are really selective and, you know, there'll be some of those guys that, um, you know, we're not the best package. Be some yep. of those guys that we don't, we just, you know, they don't fit us. Well, I was actually going to ask about bringing people to campus. And is it also in terms of, of, of a fit, seeing how they, how they act over the weekend, but also how they compete against the current guys and being able to filter some out through, through that process? Yeah, 100%. Now, I will say we've signed a lot of guys that didn't necessarily come play, like Buzz didn't play until he had already committed. Um, so, but because you got to be careful, like uh, our guys are, are at this level, they're yeah. older, they're stronger. Yep. Um, they, they don't like a lot of the high school guys we bring in sometimes. So I gotta be careful. Cause it's like, ah, but that guy's getting recruited by division one schools and we might be lucky to get them. Um, you know, so that's kind of funny. They, they, you know, those high school guys don't know what they don't know. They're not playing the right way. Uh, those type of things, mm -hmm. but I do trust our guys a ton. And, uh, we tell them all the time, like, you know, this is your program, take ownership. Uh, and we want to know who you want to play with. And, um, I think they've earned that, that trust. And so, yeah, like if a guy uh, doesn't handle himself the right way when, when he comes and, you know, we, we're usually 24 hour visits. Mm -hmm. I mean, you find a lot about a guy. A lot of guys can ace the, the, the talk with me, the interview. Uh, they know what to say at this mm -hmm. point. So it's spending a little bit more time and, and the peer visit is really important to me. Got it. All right. Well, two, two questions left for you. One, we, we've, we've mentioned buzz a few times. Uh, did, so all American player of the year. What when he came out of a pretty prestigious high school, but what were your early expectations for him? You know, it's funny. We sent him a mail out that uh, we thought he could be, um, you know, one of the best assist guys we ever had. So in the mail out, you know, we had like the, the number one, Paul Jez, number two, Marcus Badger, and we gave Buzz like number three. And he ends up because we just didn't think those those numbers were just crazy. And he was a bit of a scorer too, double digit scorer in high school. Um, but here he is. He, he breaks the ODAC record for assists. He breaks the, um, you know, RMC record for assists in addition to just All-American as a sophomore. So four-time player of the year in the ODAC, four-time. We thought he could be special. I, I thought he was going to be a day-one starter. I thought he was like uh, – I compared him with Bobby Hurley and playing for Coach K. And then Coach K, like I was ready to give him the keys. He was a winning defender. Um, and he had a Mamba mentality too. Like he's super competitive in everything he does – it really rubbed guys the wrong way. And it was, you know, this balance of guys, you know, this is a special thing. We need to embrace it. He'll get better with the relationships and with his voice and his journey. Mm -hmm. uh, but this is, this is awesome. And we're not going to, you know, um, take it for granted, so to speak. So mm -hmm. um, his, his work ethic, uh, you know, that guy had chance. Number one, he had some D2 offers and, yep. and a lot of division one interest, but mm -hmm. they just looked at the size and said, no, he wanted to coach, so he looked at the coaching tree. That was a big piece. Both his parents are teachers and educators and coaches uh, and refs. So, you know, that was a big reason why we got him and then why he stayed. I think he loved the winning. He loved the, the impact that he was having, the relationship that we had, but also with his teammates. And, you know, he wasn't going to leave a, a championship uh, roster. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, it was 
he, he's impacted the guys that he's left behind as well with his work ethic and, and, and how he approaches things. Yeah. Well, I, I know it's rare to get a, a, such a special player like that. And, but especially to see him continue to grow over, over the years and then end it in a, you know, in the, in the best way you can. Yeah. Um, we've talked a, a little bit about recruiting and, and where you're looking at guys, but uh, as we talked about before, before jumping on uh, I'm always, always enjoy hearing recruiting stories. Uh, obviously ones that, that can be shared, whether it was you doing the recruiting or, or maybe even being recruited, but, uh, I'm curious, especially, you know, with the division, division three level, uh, you know, anything that, that comes to, comes to mind, uh, that, that you're able to share. Oh man. Um, that is a good one. I'm, I'm thinking of, uh, current guys, you know, I, I try not to use the word recruit. I say, you know, we're, uh, we're talking to future yellow jackets. Cause you know, that word is almost, uh, dirty to me. And uh, each each one has been unique, different. Some guys doing overnight, some guys commit without the overnight. Um, COVID was weird where, you know, you had some guys that were making decisions without coming to campus. I, the one I could tell is if I go all the way back to 1997, when when uh, I was looking at schools, it was um, I'm, like I said, the oldest of nine. So my parents weren't even able to go with me on a lot of the visits. Um, my dad went on a couple drove me to PA for a couple uh, like Shippensburg and Bloomsburg, but I, I drove to Salisbury and Washington college uh, on a weekend to check out those two places. And I remember, so I go to Washington, I talk to their coach and he's like, you know, trying to humble me. Um, and basically like, you know, Josh, I know you think you're a good player, but you probably won't see the floor here for a couple of years. And I'm like, all right, not going there. Um, I go to Salisbury and uh, you know, coach Lambert, who is, you know, dear mentor and, and uh, friend to this day still comes to our games, emails me after every game. But at the time he was, uh, you know, probably a little more aloof with recruits. Like it's like, you know, this is a great school. And if you want to come, come on. Um, but I was one of like 40 guys that, that ended up trying out. I made the team and, and had a, you know, good freshman year, but um, you know, they probably could have cared less in some ways had I gone there or not. So right. I went there basically um, without, being guaranteed a roster spot. Mm. And, uh, and I went there without my parents seeing it and it was probably the cheapest option. Um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one other one, Sean, that I, I went to a school D two school up in Massachusetts has since become division one and the coach on the phone. Hey, if we fly you up here and you like it, will you commit? And I'm thinking, yeah, I'll commit. Well, I fly up there. I go up there and I don't necessarily love it. And um, there actually was one other guy whose name was Josh, who was transferring, who was from Maryland. He was a shooter and was like, it's coming to fill that role. But this guy didn't like it and he was leaving. So I end up saying no. And um, man, that guy let me have it. Like, how could you tell us no? And I, based on that, I'll never forget, you know, you're going to what? You're going to Salisbury. Um, you know, I just I, I treat try to treat everybody with respect, man. Hey, I wish you the best. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been my approach ever since. <laughs> Um, I don't know if that guy's still having conversations like that. But, uh, <laughs> anyways, yeah, that's that's what I got for you. Yeah, well, no, I I appreciate that, and and obviously that has you know shaped shaped what what you want to want to do and, and focus on with with players. So, um, well, you know, with that, really enjoy the conversation. Uh, definitely strong respect for for Randolph Macon having gone to camp there many you know twenty plus years ago, but seeing seeing the coaching lineage that has, has come through and how stable uh, everything is. So obviously you did a heck of a job to get there, but even, even a better job to, to get them where they are right now. So 
congrats again on the championship and, and look forward to following you and the team's future success down the road. I appreciate that, Sean. And uh, likewise, man, love, love the talk and, uh, you know, continue doing what you're doing, man. Appreciate you. Sounds good. Well, that, that wraps up another edition of the Sean Mo Hoops pod. Be back with everybody next week.